Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you guys to The Reserve. The Reserve is a showcase and creative marketplace for brands, products, and entrepreneurs. Come out on Saturday, March 10th at Brooklyn Commons from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. You can RSVP at thereservebk.eventbrite.com. I repeat, thereservebk.eventbrite.com. Can't wait to see you there. Stay driven. Driven Minds Podcast. This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. Yeah, yeah. In for another installment of the illustrious Driven Minds. And we have a, a, a guest, which is low key repeat guest, but it's the first time she's here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Representing the Bronx heavy creative architect, mm-hmm. uh, social media coordinator, and fashion journalist at Revolt, Camille Edwards. We call her Cam for short. You know what I mean? It's the super dope Cam. Cam with the killer in front, you dig? <laughs> Don't Indeed. you forget it. Indeed. Um, yeah, so we want to thank Cam for coming on again. For you know to um, well, let's not say this the first one. <laughs> to um, to back for the minds. first time. How's huh, something? Something good. <laughs> yeah, you sound great. Coming on to Driven Minds, and um, you know, like we you know, we um, we bring on really dope people who we feel like impact culture in their own unique ways you know what i mean some people you may have heard about some you may not but trust that everybody that's on this show is um is incredible you know what i mean and certified so you know we want to thank cam cam for coming along um she is a super dope creative you can check out her ig just get an idea of how you know her aesthetic is just um is super fire so we want to have this conversation just talking about that her journey how she dealt with you know all the challenges from where she's at now and uh, you know, just the story behind um behind you know her her dope her her, her dope her dope journey. So first off, let's um let's talk about Kim, where you started at. Um, you know, how did you know you were a creative person, and who kind of instilled that in you? Who who inspired that part of, for, inside of you? Um, how did I know I was a creative person? Yeah, that's intense. Wow, I've never had to like think that far back. Um, That's what we do then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think innately, I was kind of pretty self-aware about like my abilities to create and longing to create. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've tried several different types of things in the arts um, from childhood till now, like. I was a performance kid in childhood, so like I was like one of those stage performers that like did the whole jazz tap ballet thing. Oh, um, nice. I did a lot with like singing, um, piano playing. Um, I swore I was gonna be a singer with my life, but you know that ain't ever really pan out. Um, <laughs> My parents kind of deflected that uh that dream from happening. If I, I had you, really pursued it though, I probably could have been lit right right now. I didn't know you could hold a few notes like that. I, I doubt that I hold a few notes. But um, you know, when my parents kind of discouraged me from that, I defaulted to the arts. Um, but then I didn't really want to like harness my hand skills that much. So like my parents had me in like. 
I don't know. I always t- interpreted like the classes that they had me involved in, like rich people shit. Like yeah. I always just interpreted it as that because I never saw anyone that looked like me that okay. was there gotcha. to be politically correct. Um, yeah, I never saw anyone that looked like me. Yeah, and um, yeah, I can't like just like pinpoint the Yakubians of the world because it's not just them. It's like other people but it's like i knew they were affluent too like i knew their parents like really cared about them on the way my parents cared about me and i just thought that was like normal shit like to go to westchester on a saturday and take an art class doing pottery and shit like (laughs) i thought that was normal like so you know they had me doing shit like that my dad's a, a graphic designer um, oh, nice. my mom herself has some art history in her and, you know, has drawn and things like that. I, but again, I never really wanted to draw because I thought drawing was like a tedious thing and I just wanted to see my finished product. So I gravitated more towards the technological things and that's kind of how I got into uh, coding and graphic design. And then I was d- designing like lit MySpace pages that like got stolen by people and shit and you know because then when it became a job I just stopped doing it and I went to college for it because I knew I would make some money off of it did your pops push you towards graphic design or was that like nah he never really even neither of my parents really tried to well my mom did but you know they never really tried to be forceful Mm -hmm. in the decision process for me Mm -hmm. um my mom always wanted me to do something practical like law or accounting. Of course. Mainly because I was really good at those things too. Mm-hmm. But um, I never wanted to do that. I wanted to create and the countless amount of hours that I was spending in front of my computer designing web pages, my dad saw that and was like, like, this is what she's gonna do. Like, this is what she's doing. Like, I don't know what you thought she was gonna do, but this is what it is. Right. And, um, yeah, so I ended up, like, you know, pursuing graphic design. And I really liked this boy that was going to FIT at the time. And I swore on my life that he and I were gonna get married. Yeah, um, you know, blessings to him and his family. Yeah, um, he got a whole family now? Well, he's really, <laughs> he's passed. So, you know, I just, uh, I say that to, to say that, like, he really influenced me in, um, Leo Velasquez is his name, and he really influenced me in, in my choice in going to FIT, even though my dad had already gone to FIT. Oh, wow. Like, he really influenced my choice because I wanted to be around him and, like, the people he was chilling with and things he was doing so got much it, because he it. was just so fucking cool. Nice. And, um... Yeah, that never panned out like that. Like, he was so much older than me that, like, he was gone by the time I got there. But um, my dad had gone to FIT, and, like, I had always had, I always carried a certain financial awareness with me. So, like, I knew that I didn't want to go to a college where I was going to end up in super debt for going to school because I felt like going to art school is, like, Mm -hmm. art is so subjective. It's, Mm -hmm. like... You sit in front of a piece and you meditate on it and you can either love it or not love it. It doesn't really fuck. If Jackson Pollock can literally Pollock can literally piss on a canvas and that shit can sit up in the MoMA in the Met in every other fucking gallery, then right, right. Yeah. I can I can produce whatever I want. Like, exactly. you know what I mean? So that's always how I approached art school. 
And I just was like, it's an easy way for me to get a degree, so like, why not? And when, they're gonna pay for it. When you were doing design and stuff, actually, um, that's actually the time when people thought like artists and whatnot were like nerds, right? Like they weren't cool. And now like the artists, the visual graphic designers, like, you know, they have a space of culture, a really important space of culture. They're considered cool, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, um, around that time and, you know, discovering yourself, was there ever a time when you feel like, you know, you had to be like, you know what, you know what, I accept myself who I am because not a lot, not a lot of people are like me. Was there a moment where it was just like, you know, you had to go to self-acceptance? Um, people never liked me. So, like, I was always it's like... It's hard the, to believe. No, it's a fact, though. I was always, like, the fucking weirdo, like, the mm-hmm. one that's, like... Well, at least, I don't know. Maybe this is also my convoluted perception of reality mm. at the time. But, like, I never really was popular. I never really was, like, widely accepted. Like, I always was, like, the cute girl. But, like, she could, like, kind of look better. And, like, she could kind of dress better. And, like, maybe she knew herself a little bit more. It would be cooler. And I also wasn't fast. So I feel like sex plays a role in mm. like you really understanding yourself uh, mm. just because of your interaction with other people. And just like a, being a sexual being, like sex is like when you have that moment, it's a moment of vulnerability where you're disrobing, you're giving yourself to somebody. People don't analyze it in that way anymore. And like once a girl loses her virginity, there is a mannerism in which she carries herself that is completely different than times before. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I, it's so funny. I was looking at like pictures of myself at like 16, 15 and shit like that. Probably shouldn't be giving my age up, but you know, like I was looking at myself like at a young, very, a very young age, and being able to identify when I started having sex and when I wasn't having sex, and so I think that like my sexual identity played a role into my my social acceptance of myself. Um, also, my parents never really inundated me with with things, with material things. Like my mom loves clothes and loves to make me look nice but she would make me look nice for occasions like i wasn't looking nice just because it was dress down day like you know what i mean like i was wearing what i could afford i was wearing what my parents would put in would give to me um so i never really was that cool um but i was cool because i could make those pages for people Mm. and so when it started to become a job in my community, like literally I built a buzz in my community just off of like AOL group chats and shit for creating MySpace pages. And then it started to become a job where people wanted their page this way or that way, but nobody was paying me for shit. Like, so I just was like, fuck this shit. I'm not making no more pages for none of y'all. I'm making pages for myself and you can eat a dick. Like, <laughs> and that's just what it was. Like, so. so what, what was that transition like? What did you find to, like, take place of... Because I, I get that, like, when something becomes, like, a, a chore, it's not fun anymore. It kind of, like, it drains the creativity out of it sometimes. Yeah. It just... It, you just... You don't have that, that luster that you once had. Like, what did you find to replace that? Weed. That's Marijuana. <laughs> was the thing that replaced it because... Graphic design is always going to put money in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm not gonna stop something that's always gonna put money in my pocket. Now, how frequently I use it, like I used to advertise that, yo, I'm here at this place or I'm doing logos for this price this week. You know what I mean? I used to advertise that type of stuff. Now that I have a stable job, I don't advertise that. It's like a side hustle. It's like, if you know that I do this, then you you can come to me for yeah. these things, but I'm not talking about it. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, and I also am a lot more selective on the products that I choose to take on and the standard that I really set. So like price point is definitely a way for me to alleviate working with difficult people um, because Indeed. I set my price point at a certain Indeed. thing that yeah. like people are not always, it's kind of like the tipping point. It's, it's like, uh, if you was $50 less, I was definitely with it, but <laughs> now that I know you fifty dollars more, I'm gonna think about it a little bit. <laughs> so I like people to think about it a little bit, though, because I don't want to feel the pressure of producing for you on demand. I'm not an on-demand service. Okay. I'm not, and anybody who's looking for a good product shouldn't expect an on-demand service. They mm-hmm. should expect that someone is going to sit down, rack their brain, and take their fucking time with delivering you some dope shit. Indeed. Um, so with that said, I've, I never really lost the luster of being in graphic design or creating in that way. I will say what has changed for me is I like to create the way I like to create. So I don't advertise that I make certain things. And I produce product that is capable of being direct to consumer. So you can literally, you're going to see a a whole slew of a new rollout starting tomorrow um, that really showcases um, my graphic ability, but through my own vantage point. And it's like, if you like it, great, buy it. If you don't like it, great. Keep going, like keep scrolling, like or come back till you find something that you do like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't like really creating for other people's vision. I like creating for my vision. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can bring your vision to life, that's dope. And sometimes I will take on those jobs, but I don't really like creating for other people's vision because it becomes um, very meticulous, very tedious, and a lot of the times there's an educational aspect to it that people don't really understand what do you mean um you have to educate them on your style or why you're doing certain things not that i have to educate them on my style but i have to educate them on the process and i mean sometimes that's hard like when i was first designing i was creating people's logos from by hand like drawing your logo out drawing this font out then putting it in the computer then recreating it then flushing shit out before adobe was so sophisticated as it is now like and i would get feedback like oh this is amateur work or oh this is like you know oh this doesn't look like it's blah 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 but it wasn't that it was that it was that it wasn't at the price point that you wanted it for and I had already sold myself short. So you thought that you was getting something out of this situation that you really weren't. And when I demanded more, it became a problem. So people will try to like downplay your work um, when they feel 
less satisfied or whatever the case may be. So I just changed my business model by doing that. Like, you know, now, and I would recommend this to all uh, graphic designers or any designers that you accept a 50% deposit from Jump Street. And at the end, if they're not satisfied with the final product, you they don't have to pay you. Like, but as long as you got that 50% startup fee, right. because I can't get that time back. I can't get that two hours, three hours, four hours that I spent on your logo. I can't get that time back. So right. you got to accommodate me for that time somehow. Right, right. If you don't like it in the end, well, I mean, they can't get the time that they wasted or waited on me. They can't get their money back. They can't get none of that stuff back. So the fair thing to do is to say, all right, well, you know, that's, that's it's Ill, just, yo. Uh, we'll archive it. And that's, that's it. Absolutely. Because that's like... It's, it's interesting to be in a in such a subjective business, you know right. what I mean, where somebody's interpretation of of your work is the deciding right. factor, you know what I'm saying? Because you're not paying, it's not like, okay, I'm buying a cell phone, I'm buying a pair of sneakers, it's, I'm buying a concept. Right. So, you have to be loose. How is, how is, how is selling concepts, like, adjusted your, because you just mentioned something like your, your, your business acumen, like, how is that... Um, allowed you to grow in that regard selling concepts yeah um or just or just like being in the business of selling concepts like you you just mentioned like the the um like half half up front like for your deposit or what had you like how have you how have you grown in, in your business acumen selling ideas um selling ideas is a lot different than bringing an idea to life okay mm -hmm. So in the graphic design world, to bring someone's concept to life for me has a certain process and procedure, right? So I need your reference photos. I need every description that you could possibly provide. And then we can go from there. And I need your deposit. And then I, we can go from there. Yeah. But um, selling a concept, on the other hand, comes with like NDAs and like full conversations with tea and maybe like you know whatever and comes with like business plan to implement that is a whole day and it's it's crazy because in the last two years i've had to do a lot of that mm. in my professional space mm -hmm. um and you know sometimes it's hit sometimes it's missed mm. sometimes people don't want to fuck with your idea sometimes it's like wow this shit is fire let's do it That's you like know what i mean like and yeah, and so, like, when you're getting paid a salary to do something like that, it's cool, right? So when somebody turns your shit down, it's like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't really care. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm still getting my check. No worries, right? But if I was doing this independently, mm. Mm. and I would be, yeah, and I let's say I would have come into a room like this and say, yo, I got these ideas on... How to sell my, how to make your passion your fucking everyday job. Like, how am I going to sell that to you two guys? And what's, what's the guarantee for money here? Like, mm -hmm. that consultation, that's a consultation. So, like, I'm pitching something to you. And to not have any guarantee of, like, bread that comes out of that, it's like, it, that's okay. If you got other people lined up and you were very strategic and you really know who the money sources are to go to that would feel confident enough in entrusting 
whatever conceptual idea that you have mm -hmm. and bring it to life. But really in the TV world and in the digital world, it goes past just your concept. It's production, it's overhead cost, it's studio time, mm -hmm. it's editing, it's all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so if you are not all encompassing of those things and mm -hmm. the requirements of those things, mm -hmm. your pitch is faulty. You need your pitch to encompass all of those things. Financial and so benefit. the more detailed you are, I have found in my professional experience when I am pitching a concept to a business, the more detailed I am, the more I know about the organization and what I am trying to bring to the organization, the better it is for me as far as securing an account. The bag. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was really dope. Um, I do want to talk about aesthetic too. Like um, a lot of brands, it's so crazy. Uh, maybe it's not an example, but I was um, I was at South Shore, and I go on the and I you I walk, I walk outside and you know the pole people still throwing their flyers and whatnot. Like you know the old West Indians throwing their flyers for their parties. From, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking, I'm like, yo, this branding is like 1990. Nine, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and um, there's still some artists, there's still some companies with stone. There's a lot that um don't really understand why aesthetic is so important. Matter of fact, I had somebody recently come to me and they're like, "Yo, they were pitching an event to collaborate on," and she sends me the flyer, and I'm like, "Yo, this really can't be it." You know what I mean? I had to tell her like, "Yo, I'm gonna tell you something that I wish somebody would have told me." Well, I'll tell you something that because she's starting off kind of like how we did. With events, I'm like, I'm going to tell you something that I would want somebody to tell me is just make sure you have visually engaging digital assets yeah. and how important that is to, you know, um, reaching your customer. Can you talk more about that? Like, um, just like why it's important for brands, whether it be a small business, whether it even be something as simple as a freaking t-shirt line to an artist, well, why that visual is so important? Well, I mean, to and put why it, they should invest in that. To put it simply, it's advertising. So, this is the educational part that I had to talk about uh, mm. when it comes to graphics. Your logo is going to follow you everywhere mm. until you decide to redesign that logo. Pretty much. And people are not going to forget the original design, mm -hmm. even if you put the redesign in their psyche. BP... If you don't remember, BP used to be like some fucking yellow shit. It wasn't even green. Mm. It didn't turn green until they had that oil spill. Mm. And they had to be green. They had mm. to make everything green. Used to be so mm. the benefit of going to an art school is understanding the psychology of color. Mm. Just understanding the psychology behind yeah. a lot of these things. So in a social media age... Where everybody feels like, oh, this is free advertising. I could just throw up whatever I want to on there. And I, I suffer with this a lot with clients, like trying to show them that like proper presentation is so important. Indeed. Um, you know, people feel like with social media, they could just slap anything up there and it'll go because I'm such and such. And it's like, yeah, it'll go because you're such and such, but it could be that much better. Right. You could capitalize that much. You could double, triple your shit right. that much more if you just paid attention to this one little detail right here. Mm -hmm. And they forget how much detail is important, right? Mm -hmm. To those of us who really like clothes, 
they're really attentive to your inseam, to the type of fabric you picked, to the collar that you selected. They're really attentive to those types of things. Same thing applies for art, design, architectural design, any, any of that stuff. They, they're paying attention to your details and what is not aesthetically pleasing is not gonna get the like. Right. That's just what it is. And so the more aesthetically pleasing that you can make it, the more timely you can make it, the more engaging you can make it, depending on what's happening in the culture, mm-hmm. the better it is. There's a whole science behind it. And mm. so um, when people, I get artists all the time who bring me videos that look like a million other artists that have been through our doors mm-hmm. or, you know, bring me graphics that are like covers for their album work. That's not that thought provoking. Mm. It's, it's, um, baffling to me because we are still a generation that was accustomed to flipping through magazine pages. Mm. Do you know how much attention people pay to all of those fucking pages in the magazines? True. Every page somebody paid attention to. I don't care what page you're on. True. And so it's the same application. Mm-hmm. You are literally taking a magazine. Your Instagram is your magazine. It's what it is like and that's how you kind of have to approach it and there's so many tools out there for you to for you to do that like Vasco wouldn't exist if the the um, aesthetics weren't important mm. filters wouldn't exist if the aesthetics weren't important that's true certain features just wouldn't exist period mm-hmm. why do you think photographers do so well on Instagram hmm Photographers do really well on Instagram because it's all about aesthetics. It's all about pictures. It's all about, and like even with photographers, for a photographer to come through and capture that right thing, Mm -hmm. like he has to understand, well, concepts in itself. He has to understand proportions. He has to understand composition. Mm -hmm. Like composition is really important. Editing is really important. And so... If you're not drawing me in that way, mm-hmm. what are we talking about? So, Practice? Ag- agree. What, um, what advice would you give like artists or small brands when they're trying to create that, um, do visual storytelling or trying, trying to create what that brand look looks right. like? How, where should they first begin? Walk us through aesthetic for dummies. Um, I would say that reference photos are really important. Mm. So for me, like how I approach my personal gram, other people's grams, like things like that. Like I pull images like for days, like I'm just constantly, I got images. Tumblr is an amazing place to just get all the images that you need. Um, is Tumblr an app now? I don't know. It is an app. Um, but you know, you, you go ahead and you collect all of these reference photos and then you begin to map out how you want your vision to look so i don't i'm not in the business of recreating a photo that's already out there i want to create my version of that photo Mm. so you find a way to insert yourself in that like you copy Mm. that and you make it your own like Mm. you in order to copy you got to make it your own so in making it your own maybe the chair is in black Maybe the chair's yellow. Mm. Maybe the pencil isn't over here. Maybe the pencil's in front of you. And what are you saying when you're 
coming up with these visual conceptual kind of ideas like that's why i really like i like to follow artists i like to follow like conceptual artists too Mm. um because for me i'm coming into this new age of i've mastered doing the color scheme thing right so that's cool right but now i want to do the color scheme thing but push it a bit forward and have people looking at my images like, okay, she's in a schoolroom setting. We get that this is a part of the green situation that's like her storyboard right now. But what is she saying in this image itself? Right. Where's the concept? What What's coming from this? Why is she in a classroom? Right. Is she in a classroom because like she's in a school days type of outfit and that looks like cool? Or is she in a classroom because she's trying to say something about education? Is she in a classroom because she's trying to pay homage to a rap picture that was in a classroom? Like, why is she in a classroom? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if it's not thought-provoking, it's not engaging. Mm -hmm. Period. Like, you can put a caption up there that says, I smelled a hundred roses today. They were beautiful. I'm so happy I smelled them because I'm alive. But what, what, what does that mean? Okay, great. You're living life, but where where are we going with that? Like, what's coming from that? And I think that like a lot of social media influencers have fallen into the trap of regurgitating other people's content, opposed to taking that content and making it their own. So, <laughs> shout out to my followers that ain't really my followers. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. How do you how do you how does one educate um, the the viewer because not everybody has those sensibilities where they're looking into an image and like oh okay I'm trying to figure out how to interpret it like how how would you um like what's the basis level of communication to somebody who doesn't really get art I mean well is that true because you can be the most base of people base type of person when you stand in front of a piece of art that makes you think, you meditate on it. There's no, like, there's no objections to that. Like, and if you're not meditating on it, then you wasn't really thinking too much about that piece. Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking at someone's work and you're not thinking to yourself, you're just scrolling and you're double tapping, like, all right, this is cute. Aesthetically, this looks great. But you don't really catch what was happening in that image. It's like Beyonce. Like Beyonce, listen. Beyonce kills a gram every time. Listen. Every time. And it's like, I be salty sometimes. (laughs) I was like, damn, I could have definitely did that same shit. But you know what? (laughs) You got it, B. So I'm not even going to. Also, shout out to B and her creative directors. Oh, yeah, that's Um, a fact. You know what I'm saying? Well, because it's also like, it's another thing about it. It's like, it's cohesive. Right. It's like on her Instagram page, on her Tumblr page, on her regular website, all of that is cohesive to one another. Mm. So when it comes to Beyonce, right? Like when she puts those visual uh, albums together, she's always leading seeds, leaving seeds of 
Oh, you didn't pay attention to that water glass that was on the windowsill, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And there's like a story behind yeah. it. Right. Like that a, was like from... Hot sauces are bat and shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. She like, wore, wore a dress that was like some historical... Right. Or, or, or like down that. to the young women that were walking into the water with her. Like, you don't get the historical context and she doesn't necessarily do it for you to get the historical context. It's almost like in time. Right. You'll get it. With yeah. time... If you wake up, if you like, if you paying attention to some real shit, in time, you'll get it. And she always references art all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. And so like when people sit up here and talk about like, oh, I love Basquiat. Basquiat's so fucking amazing. It's like, Mm -hmm. but what the fuck do you know about Basquiat? What do you know about him? What do you know about Michelangelo? What do you know about Leonardo? Like, what do you know about these people? Because if you really knew things about those people and their work, you would be able to identify where they are repeated in culture. Mm. And it just shows a sophistication. It shows a level of understanding that people cannot... I don't expect people to understand my work when they first see it. Right. I don't expect that. I don't anticipate that that is what's going to happen in my future. Mm. Because mm. I am very purposeful and intent on selecting things that are thought-provoking that are not immediately identifiable that make you think just that much more it's like okay so she got that yellow pencil but that bitch could have been orange (laughs) why she got the yellow pencil instead of an orange pencil why is it lemons instead of fucking tangerines it's things like that it's like people don't it's a psychological thing. It's a, it's a very psychological thing. And I think that when it comes to social media, people aren't really paying attention that much. But this is a testament yeah, to that, has, too. Has, it, has social media, like, blunted our sensibilities, you think? Like, yeah, to an extent. Because we've been programmed in a way where we're often desensitized to a lot of things that we're not even practicing our awareness to its fullest extent. Um, and I think that it's come to a point where I can do something and this is an image that's been repeated to you over and over and over again, but you won't identify with that image until somebody lays something out for you, until somebody parallels it, until somebody is like, this is Beyonce as the Madonna and Jesus. You might not know that because you wasn't really paying attention when she did it. You know what I mean? Right. And like, I live for shit like that. I live for going back to, I used to love, I really love content, music, video, movies. I love content that I have to go back to and say, wow, I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah. I hadn't even picked up on that. Wow, that's so thought provoking. I'm surprised I didn't even pick up on that. Like, why did they put that there? Now I want to talk about this with them. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And um, I think that's kind of what sets me apart from a lot of other individuals. And it sets me apart as a a journalist, too, where I practice a a level of attentiveness that is not really there. I hope I answered your question. Very much so. Perfect. Um, I just want to discuss some things that are like on currently um, trending. Oh, I just read an article. Like the Kim clones? 
<laughs> who? The oh, clones. yeah. The Kim Kim Kardashian. So her her this Yeezy season six rollout, uh-huh. they hired a bunch of like Instagram socialites to replicate her her paparazzi pictures. I thought it was a good idea. Really? Yeah. I did see. It. I didn't know that's what they were trying to do with the silver hair and all that. Yeah. Ah, uh, interesting. Um, I was talking more of the lines of. Uh, this article that came out on her agenda actually shot to Ronisha saying African American women are projected to be a 1.5 trillion market by 2021. Great. And um, just with all this, you know, this black renaissance that's going on right now, with um, especially African American women, just really um, on the front lines of this new expressive scene. I feel like. Um, Expression they are, you know, whether it be from the writing from the Shonda Rhimes to the Issa Rae's to, you know, there's a lot of um, two dope queens that doing their thing. There's a lot of content providers by, you know, black women. Um, and I just wanted to hear your take on it. What do you feel is, you know, what sparked this, this, this beautiful um, movement right now that black women are really. Uh, the black on? renaissance movement or just women, black women loving themselves? Both. Um, I think it was always there. Mm -hmm. I think that black women, um, socially can't really relate to anyone outside of that experience, um, because the experience is so unique to them. Uh, I think that this women's me too feminist movement um don't get in trouble kid. <laughs> <laughs> nah say that shit son I feel like Cam about to go in um, say that I got you I also think that has been in the works for some time what however yes however, oh, that's thousands of years in the making right, I think that's like been in the works for some time however I do feel like it's convenient timing I do it can I do feel like it can conveniently and disproportionately supports and affects women that are not of color. I do also believe that um, the Me Too movement and the feminist movement as a whole, I'm not in the most, I'm not, I'm not in the most agreement, I guess, or, or agreeing with, with it, um, because I do believe in gender roles, um, and maybe that makes me a little sexist, but I just feel like a woman has a woman's place and a man has a man's place, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that things get a little warped when a woman tries to take on a man's role and when a man tries to take on a woman's role. Like, I don't think that there is lack of equilibrium between the two of them working together. And I think that the lack of cohesion between the two is what women are really looking for. It's not necessarily the fact that like, I wanna be a man or I wanna fulfill the man's responsibilities or I wanna live in the workspace because in truth, who the fuck wants to work? Who wants to work? Genuinely. Who wants to work? Nobody. Nobody wants to work. 
If we could and all so, get, you're right, because a lot of hustles out there, but if we could all sit back and get if you could each all, If everybody was set with a mill a year <laughs> to just chill, take care of their kids, do whatever the fuck they wanted to do, nobody's working. <laughs> Nobody is working. That's a fact. So, very so this whole, like, this whole, I want to work and I want to be in the workplace and blah, blah, blah. I think we were kind of duped back in the 20s. And shit like that, like you know, like your man's going out to war. We kind of need somebody to still run this economy, so we gonna put y'all in these working positions mm. and make y'all feel like we're empowering you. When in fact, we're actually making it more difficult for you because now it requires two fucking incomes for you to survive. Mm. Killing with that socioeconomic history, can so uh, for me, I don't know no rich women that want to work. I don't know not one rich woman that wants to work. Like she works because she, 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 you know, like whatever. Like this is how I'm feeling today. This is how I'm doing my passion. I think it's different. Like if it's something you're passionate about, I guess that's it's not like really a vocation. Working. That's not working though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like gotcha. nobody wakes up and says, I want to go to this job. And disproportionately right now, more women are in the workforce than men are. So mm-hmm. it's like, you put in the burden more on women and then and then to add to that women of color whose men are either here or not here mm-hmm. and if you're in a situation where your man's not here sure, you. you gotta mama gotta be strong for everybody she gotta cook clean wash the dishes do the job pay the rent keep the lights on and then she ain't got no D to go home to. Like, what? Like, who got time for that? <laughs> who got time for that? Nobody has time for that shit. Like, Yo, lick shots for kids. In truth, in truth, I find me a man that just want, wants me to sit on my ass. I'm going to just pursue my passion and that's it. Like, I'm never going to be the person that just sits on my ass because, like, I like to be active. Right. And I can understand that. So when I say who wants to work, like I can understand a woman who just likes to be active, wants to do her passion, but the fact that you have to work, voluntary work and have to work, two fucking different things. Yeah, you're right. So, I agree. Personally, I think that women have taken on a burden because their men are absent or not rising to the occasion. Um, that makes them feel empowered, but the empowerment is is an illusion. Mm. The empowerment is not what it seems, what it really is. That's an interesting perspective. Because the white woman locked your man up, just so you know. Damn, can man. You That's real. Sure. Just a realist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we asked all our guests the same question. Um, we are on Driven Minds. We want to do a society. Um, we bring on some dope people. So we want to ask you what drives you. You know what I mean? What makes you wake up in the morning, go out, hustle, uh, make a name for yourself through you know building your client list, uh, contributing to culture in your way? What just keeps what keep what keeps Cam going every single day? Um. What keeps me going? Well, it's two things. I have an unquenchable thirst for knowledge. Mm. Um, so that keeps me going. And I have an affinity, passionate affinity towards justice mm. and what is fair 
um, in any circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so I would say today to see my views reflected in society through monetary impact, through cultural impact, through whatever, um, is what drives me. Gotcha. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Camille Edwards. Sorry, Vanilla Friends. I love you, too. Just, you know, I got to put y'all out there on Front Street. It's all good. It's all good. Where can we find you on socials? On socials, you can find me on Instagram, Compliments of Cam. It's spelled kind of weird. So it's C-M-P-L-M-N-T-S of Cam. Um, and that's it. Um, my email is there, so you know, you can email me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Wow. All right, so stay true. You always stay at this time. Stay true. Thank you, Kim. All right. Thank you.